Whenever I feel comfortable or satisfied with the status quo, then there's no reason for anything to be different. There's no driving force to force me to make drastic or radical change. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish I was smart enough to see things are fine now, but they could be better. Let me move in that direction. It's often the stubbornness of being content with where I'm at until God forces my hands. <laughs> that ends up getting me to pay attention and to realize that maybe there's something else that I need to be focusing on. Reboots episode R042 features Travis Albritton, an aeronautics engineer who decided, well, gosh, maybe his life's purpose was less about rocket science and more about helping followers of Christ become more effective in their walk. Travis believes Christians can and should have a powerful impact on behalf of the kingdom, even when we're not in full-time ministry. And that's what led Travis to launch a podcast called The Practical Christian. The show features interviews, including a conversation with yours truly, as well as some quick, crunchy tips and teachings about a variety of topics related to the Christian walk. In this episode, you're going to learn about the breaking point that led Travis to chuck his years of education to pursue a self-supported ministry, what exactly Travis means by self-supported ministry, and why Travis believes the concepts of fixed versus growth mindsets are essential for followers of Christ to understand, and why he believes a growth mindset is part of the spiritual maturation process. And finally, Travis explains that in his mind, science and faith answer fundamentally different questions about the universe. Hey there, you're dialed into Reboots, featuring stories about people who have been forced to start over in life or in business, all walks of life, anonymous or named, high profile or low down, stories with heart, soul, and grit. Because knowing and sharing our stories is essential for living a life of joy, experiencing healthy relationships, and impacting the world around us in a positive way. Here's your host, Tracy Winchell. Hey, Travis. Thanks for inviting us into your life today. Well, I am excited to be here. Thank you for having me. You've got a really interesting story of transformation to tell, but before we get into that, tell me what your life is like today. So today, I am a professional content creator. Essentially, what that means is I create podcast episodes, blog articles, informational videos, online courses, that kind of stuff for a podcast company, and then I also have an online teaching ministry that I focus a lot of my spare time into developing. I identified a couple of years ago that teaching was a spiritual gift that God had given me, and I wanted to really dive into that with everything that I had and really develop that gift that he had given me. And so Unlock Your Gifts is something I've been creating over the last several years. And so those are kind of my two main vocational focuses. And then uh, married, just had our first daughter not too long ago, so we're starting to, to grow our family a little bit. So I would say that my life essentially revolves around creating content to help people grow, both in my jobs and in working with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So 
getting with people to study the Bible with them and, and help them decide if they want to become a Christian or not, or getting in a small group with other other brothers kind of in my same life situation that we can get open about what's going on and talk about things that we need to get input on or challenge each other where we see one of us is going astray. So yeah, so that's that's a little little taste of what it's like to be Travis. Wow. And for folks who aren't in the podcasting and content creation business, this requires a whole lot of being in front of people, but a whole lot of solitude and and with you editing 15,000 podcasts a week, right? You know, there's a lot of uh, solitude in there, right? Alone time? You don't do that in a group setting. Not if you want to get it done. Right. <laughs> yeah. And what makes it even more fascinating is I'm extroverted, so I get energized by being around people. So because I'm extroverted... I have to make sure that I I maintain a good sense of balance and force myself to spend time with people when I might feel guilty that I'm not working on a project. Mm. So ironically, I have to make myself go and be social and do the things that I enjoy over the things that I feel obligated to work on. Mm, that's interesting, Travis, because I'm the opposite. I'm an introvert who plays an extrovert on TV. And so the irony there is that I tend to work better alone doing the editing stuff, except when I schedule so much alone time that I think I have all the time in the world to get stuff done. And I have to force myself to be around other people and set appointments and obligations in order to box myself in to get the creative work done. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Figure that. Yeah. Well, tell me this, where do you share your story and why? I share my story in a very public way. I think my reboot story or my story of transformation happened around three years ago where I kind of reached just a breaking point in my life. And when I started to figure some things out and start, okay, maybe this will work or that's something I didn't know before, and I think it'd be helpful for other people. I decided to make a podcast about it and just kind of document what was going on in my life and and how I was kind of navigating the change that I was experiencing, knowing that there were probably other people in similar situations that maybe they could learn from my journey for better or worse, you know, learn from my mistakes and maybe emulate and replicate some of my successes. Yeah, and I... I've listened to kind of that journey and Travis, you just go all in with the vulnerability thing. You know, people say I make myself vulnerable, but you just did this audio journal and how many, what you get, uh, 10 or 12 episodes of the ministry startup podcast. Yeah. So ministry startup is 10 episodes and it spans about a year and a half of actual time. It definitely doesn't feel as long when you listen to the podcast, but I incorporate recordings of myself at various stages over the course of about a year and a half from when I first decided that enough was enough and something had to change, even though I didn't know what that was, all the way to where I started to put some things into place and was moving forward in a more intentional or deliberate direction towards what I felt God was calling me to do. But yeah, so it was... 
nothing held back. There's definitely some low moments <laughs> captured in that podcast. And tell me what your previous job was before you thought I need to find something more fulfilling in the ministry. Cause these are like two vastly different careers and mindsets and lifestyles really. My education background is in aerospace engineering. So that's what I went to school for. That's what I kind of had my whole life planned around was from a very early age. I knew I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to design and create things that make the world better. Uh, I was fascinated with NASA, all things NASA and space shuttle and rockets and everything. And so the first 23 years of my life were dedicated to setting me up for an aerospace engineering career. And then about five years into that career, I was working at a very well-known engineering company, really in an enviable position for people that were in my profession. So I was really on the fast track to realizing my dream. And, you know, five years into my career, it's the novelty's worn off a little bit. And I could see the men and women that were working alongside me that were 30 years farther down the road. And so I had a very vivid image of if I stay in this, this is what my life will look like in 30 years. And it terrified me because I did not want the lifestyle that they had, which was doubly concerning because I had never thought about having a backup plan because there was no question that this is what I was supposed to do or what I really wanted to do. Mm. So, so that was kind of the turning point of, you know, this is not what I thought it was, or I don't want to pursue this anymore, but I've devoted so much of my life to this career track, I'm not sure what else to do or even where to start. So your identity was wrapped up in the person you had been becoming your whole life, right? Yes, especially from a, from a professional standpoint. You know, I was very proud of being an aerospace engineer. It's not something that's easy to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so I did get a lot of pride out of that. Looking back, I do think that, you know, I had a very strong conviction about having my identity in Christ as well. Right. So I wasn't 100% into the engineer aspect of it, but it was definitely a piece of myself that I struggled to want to let go of. Mm. Wow. And so you wake up one morning and you think, I don't want to be this person anymore. And so I'm just going to do an audio journal and share it with the world while I figure out what I'm going to do. Yep. That's, that's about sums it up. Wow. Well, I've listened to, to most of the episodes in the, the ministry startup podcast. And I think they're beautiful and they're frightening. In at one place in episode one, you well, you said something that caused me to create this note: Is pain typically a prelude to change? In your mind, absolutely. <laughs> I know. Whenever I feel comfortable or satisfied with the status quo, then there's no reason for anything to be different. There's no driving force to force me to make drastic or radical change. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish I was smart enough to see things are 
fine now, but they could be better. Let me move in that direction. It's often the stubbornness of being content with where I'm at until God forces my hands mm. <laughs> that ends up getting me to pay attention and to realize that maybe there's something else that I need to be focusing on. Yeah. And you also talk about about the shame of this planned life falling apart. For sure. Because again, like this was something I was really proud of that I worked really hard at and it felt like a sunk cost. Mm. It wasn't something I could get back. You know, I couldn't go back in time and redo the those years that I spent developing this career. And so in a sense, moving forward meant undoing however many years of work I had put into this particular lifestyle or this particular career track. And so it was basically admitting defeat, but in a really beneficial way, because there was no way I was going to be able to, to strike out in a new direction until I came to grips with the fact that I needed to be okay with the last dozen years being a learning experience mm. and not feeling guilty about that or feeling like, well, I just wasted 12 years of the life that God has given me that I could have been doing something else. Interesting that in as much as I had been able to, I really did want to pursue what God was calling me to do. And at the time, engineering felt like the answer. And maybe this was God using that to redirect me in a more, in a different direction. Mm. So looking back on that part of your life now, have you kind of found that, that thing or maybe a series of possibilities of how that training has helped prepare you for this moment of your life? I definitely think so, just because when I tell people about what it's like to become an engineer, because once you graduate with a degree, what your discipline was is not as important as kind of the mindset of an engineer, which is where you look at problems from really a systems perspective mm. of what is the big picture of what's going on? So I'm not just putting band-aids on things, but I'm addressing the whole problem, mm. which ironically translates very well into ministry. How so? Well, it's very easy to be focused on, all right, this is the behavior that I either want to change myself or help someone else change. And so what are the direct things that can redirect that person's behavior to help them be more like, like Christ. But in doing that, you might actually be doing more harm than good if you don't address the root problems that are causing those symptoms. Mm. Or even in leadership, because I teach a lot about leadership, small group leadership, ministry leadership. If your only focus is about achieving a result, then you won't actually get what you're hoping to achieve. All you'll get is disillusionment and people checking out because you're so focused on addressing the symptoms instead of focusing on what's the larger problem that we're trying to solve and what's a holistic and spiritually, emotionally, and physically healthy way of going about doing that and reverse engineering your way to your desired end goal. Travis, we get that wrong so much in American Christian culture, don't we? Yes, and and I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Marty Solomon on my on my daily podcast recently, and he's a really big force in the Eastern perspective viewpoint. So really trying to understand the Bible from the mindset that a Jew would. 
and we talked about how we create empires of control, even inside of ministries, in order to validate the leader and in order to achieve some agenda at all costs, right? And it's so easy to think the ends justify the means if those ends are spiritual. <laughs> when, when we're talking about people and people's relationship with God and something that is so important to focus on the main thing and understand that we're just a part of God's plan and that God is not bowing down to our plans and our aspirations. It's just a totally different way of thinking about what it means to lead people and what it means to bear fruit as Christians and as Christian leaders. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. So we're walking through your ministry startup podcast where episode one, you know, you don't want to be the person in 30 years that you're becoming as an aerospace engineer. And so the next several episodes, you start trying to figure out how to work in ministry and the income is kind of a big deal because ministers don't get paid nearly as much as a rocket scientist, right? That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> and then we find out you and your lovely bride are expecting a baby and you're, you're up for a position at your church and you walk us through, through a couple of episodes of the angst of what happens if you get the job and then if you don't get the job. Right. How do you view that today as you balance your ministry plus your profession as a content creator? What does that look like now? So that particular moment in time, I had applied to be essentially a communications director at the church that I was attending. There was a, a special position they were opening up and I had a really good shot at getting it. And, and so I would essentially be able to take all of the things I'd been applying to my online teaching ministry to be able to help my church, which I was very excited about. But I knew that it would involve taking essentially a 50% pay cut, if not more, which is a huge leap of faith. Right. <laughs> if anyone takes your paycheck and cuts it in half, that's going to affect your lifestyle in a significant way. And so, so there was that part of it, but I've always trusted God with the money part of things. You know, I think uh, Matthew 6 is pretty clear that as long as we put the kingdom of God first, God will always take care of our needs, even if it's not in the way that we would expect. And so while financial security is always something I think about, I definitely trust God with that 100%. I was more worried about not getting it and being stuck with a high-paying job, ironically enough, because <laughs> <laughs> in a sense, this felt like my get-out-of-jail-free card. It's like, okay, here's a door that God has created, and it seems like it's opening, which is exciting. But if I don't get it, what does that mean? Like, how do I process that in a way that does not accuse God of negligence of duties, so to speak. Right. And I know if I look back on my life, God has a perfect batting average when it comes to these, these major things happening in my life. He's never been wrong. 
He's never been too early or too late on anything. But in the moment, it is very difficult to really embrace that I'm going to trust God no matter the outcome, because I really want this outcome to turn out a certain way. Yeah. And I ended up not getting that position. <laughs> and that was that was a hard pill to swallow because I felt like that was my best chance to be able to make this shift away from my engineering career and into something that I felt that God was calling me into. And so in a sense, it was very confusing because I thought, well, I thought you were opening this door, God. Why are you closing it now after I got my hopes up? Like, what are you, what's going on? Why are you doing this? But it was one of those things where I didn't feel like surrendering, but I knew that that's what I had to do Mm. to work through it. So I think in one of those episodes, after I find out that I didn't get the job, I say something to the effect of, I don't know what's going on, but I'm choosing to trust you anyways. And so, and so at that point in time, I felt very uncertain about what the future held. But I knew that as long as God was at the center of it, that it would all work out the way that he wanted it to. And I was, I was going to be okay with that, even if it meant not seeing my dreams come true. Yeah. And here's what I wrote down in episode 10 that you you said. You said a couple of things. Number one is persuading our emotions to get in line with trusting God. And that's all I wrote down. It was just a a piece. I thought that was an incredibly insightful thing for you to say at that moment where your voice was clearly, you know, you were hurting, man. And you, you just decided to persuade your emotions to get in line with trusting God. Unpack that for me a little bit. Well, (laughs) emotions are such a fickle and powerful thing, right? Because they can help you in highlighting high point moments in your life and, and really bringing almost full circle what it means to be human, right? So when you're when you're experiencing like a really in, intimate, intense worship experience with God, and it's like everything comes full circle and you just feel whole as a person, in that sense, emotions help you experience God and experience what it means to be human. But they can also absolutely sabotage everything when they're leading you astray. And, you know, in that moment, I knew that how I felt was not going to take me somewhere I wanted to go, Mm. that I felt hurt, I felt angry, I felt frustrated, disappointed, bitter. And I knew that if I allowed those emotions to stay there and circulate and just ruminate on those, they would not fix themselves, right? Mm. When you feel bitter, it does not go away on its own. You have to actively choose to focus on something greater, something more powerful. And for me, that was trust. For me, that was trusting that I was not the center of the story, that God is the center of my story, and that I am just a a role player, a supporting actor. And that even if I felt like I wanted to be the hero of my own journey, that somehow, some way, this must help glorify God, or this must be teaching me something that's going to help me be closer to God, or this is going to be a learning experience that I can pass on to someone else in the future who goes through a similar thing. And so trusting God and, and choosing that over my emotions, it was something that I, 
I've learned from experience is the only way to work through those kinds of feelings of bitterness, anger, and disappointment. Because Satan will let you sit there as long as you want to. And all that does is drive a wedge between you and God when God is really the person you need to be closest to in that moment. Mm. You said a couple of other things, and I'm going to see if these mash up. Maybe they don't. You talked about how in that moment it was easier, it would have been easier for you to blame God than to just deal with life. And then the next thing was, in a previous episode, you read Carol Dweck's book about fixed and growth mindsets. And so here we're going to mix science into this whole thing with just dealing with life and how easy it is to just blame God. And that seems like a foreign thing these days. People argue for science or people argue for faith, and we forget they go together. Right. Well, God invented science. He did. (laughs) (laughs) And at the root of it, I think what most people fail to grasp is that science and faith are answering fundamentally different questions. And that if you follow the scientific method, you're, you have a hypothesis and you're trying to reach a conclusion that is repeatable, repeatably observable, right? That's how you figure out what is true from a scientific perspective. Well, if your conclusion is that the only way something happens or the answer is a supernatural experience or being outside of our physical dimensions, then you have to start over right back at your hypothesis. And so just the way that you (laughs) solve things using the scientific method, you cannot, as a scientist, make God the answer. You know, it'd be kind of like in an argument saying, because I said so. Like it's, it's not, (laughs) it's not actually (laughs) the way that you, you can find a conclusion where science is really trying to discover what, is going on and how it's working and faith and our pursuit of God is about why we exist and what our purpose is. Are we just accidents, cosmic accidents, a random assortment of atoms and particles that got struck by lightning at the right moment in time? Or is there something greater at work in the background? So that's my little, my little spiel on faith and science. But yeah, so fixed and growth mindset, it's about how you perceive difficulty. So in Carol Dweck's research, she, they did a study with children who they gave a puzzle to solve. And it was a relatively easy puzzle for them to solve. And one group of children were told that they were very smart. And that was the compliment they were given after they solved the puzzle. And the other group of children were told that they must have worked very hard to solve that puzzle. And then to each of those groups of children, they were given the opportunity or the option of attempting a more difficult puzzle or redoing the same puzzle. The group of children that were told that they were smart, almost all of them chose to redo the same puzzle because what they did not want was for the researchers to discover they were not as smart as they initially thought. Mm. So it was about protecting their level of intelligence or their their ability to solve these puzzles became their identity, right? The group of children that were told they worked very hard, almost all of them chose the more difficult puzzle because that reaffirmed the identity they had taken on that they were hard workers and hard workers solve difficult problems and their identity and their validation as people 
is not tied to the outcome, but the process. And so really growth and fixed mindset is about, do you find your identity in the outcome of whatever you do or the process of how you apply yourself to the problem? And the reason this is so important in a spiritual sense is because (laughs) we are all equally depraved at the foot of the cross, right? None of us have any footing to stand on. And so a growth mindset is imperative for a Christian, that we are always growing. And that's, in fact, what God asks us to do, right? He doesn't Mm. look at us and validate us based on our accomplishments, but rather on our hearts, on our desire to please him, our desire to repent and continuing to get back up after we fall. So growth mindset is really important and has been really important for me just because when something terrible happens, I don't see it as, well, that's it. Like, <laughs> I've run out of runway. I guess this is it. I'm time to throw in the towel, right? But it's just one more thing to figure out. And I know that after I figure out whatever the hardship is, that I will have learned something valuable, that I will become more resilient, more capable, and more capable of, of honoring God in my life mm. just by being able to be persistent and to stand up under circumstances in life and things that happen that are outside of our control. You know, I really admire Jesus for that and just how steadfast he was Mm. in the face of the hardship and persecution and everything he endured while he was here. It really inspires me that he never loses his cool in spite of the fact that people are falsely accusing him to -hmm. crucify him. So yeah, so for me, having a growth mindset has been hugely beneficial and it's been something I continuously go back to whenever I start to stray towards, yeah, well, my podcast isn't growing the way that I wanted it to. Maybe that's because of me. There's something wrong with me or, you know, I'm still struggling with this sin or this doubt, or I haven't been able to be in the full-time ministry yet. Maybe that's something wrong with me and I need to stop now or risk exposing myself to the world as an imposter. Mm. rather than seeing it like that, seeing everything as an opportunity to grow and trusting that because God is the author of that growth and he is using those opportunities and using those situations to help me, life becomes an adventure. Mm. So you've sort of made a, or you're maybe making a pivot, well, I guess we'll see, to this concept of of self-supported ministry, that you talk about in episode 180 of the Practical Christian Podcast. And I think that's fascinating. And so help me make sure I understand this. The concept is that you're producing courses, especially your discipleship course, uh, your small group course, as a means for impacting the kingdom of God, but you're doing it in a way that you're self-supporting and a church isn't having, having to pay you to do that. Am I getting that right? Yes. So when I wanted to pursue full-time ministry and I felt like, okay, I have a lot of clarity that that's what I want to pursue now that engineering is off the table. The life of a minister is really difficult, <laughs> especially on your family. Uh, you typically move every three to five years. And when you get hired somewhere, they hired you for a very specific role. And so if you feel called to do something else, well, it's just kind of too bad because that's not your job. And so I really loved the the concept or the idea that I could be in full-time ministry 
where I don't have to have a secular job to support my family, but do it in a way where I could really lean into my best gifts and talents and the, the things that I felt to be my strongest assets and what I had to offer to people and have the flexibility of not just serving in churches that could afford those resources or those people, but be able to go and help smaller churches with leadership or just ministry growth or anything that I, any expertise that I had, I could offer to them and not have to be paid. Was really trying to figure out the best of both worlds. How can I have ultimate flexibility in responding to what I feel the Holy Spirit is asking me to do in that moment with being able to devote as much time as possible to those pursuits? That was kind of the idea behind being self-supported. And I've been exploring and experimenting with several different ways of doing that. So this past summer, I wrote a book, and that was my first book that I've ever written and self-published. Wow. Tell me about it. So the book's called Small Group Leader Secrets, and it takes that engineering systems approach to what would it look like for someone to lead a thriving small group without having to do everything themselves which is really <laughs> what ends up happening in a majority of Christian small groups is the leader takes on the majority of the burden at the expense of the leader and at the expense of the group. And so it was you know, really identifying these are the seven key things that you as a leader can intentionally pursue. And when you do those seven things well, everything else will fall into place where the entire group is bought into the vision for the group, everyone is contributing, and no one feels overburdened. So yeah, so that was my my first book, and I've put together several online courses that just really go deep into particular problems mm. that Christians have. And so, so the idea is, if you are you know really wrestling with this specific problem, either in your spiritual growth or in your life, then this online course will walk you through the steps to to transforming that aspect of your life. So, so I put together a course for small group leaders. I'm, I'm working on a second one right now. I have a course for people that want to figure out God's calling for their life and what that looks like and how to pursue that in a meaningful way. And then I also have an online course for people that want to go deeper in their Bible study and teach the strategies and techniques that Bible scholars use to read the Bible. Wow. So the goal is that as a collective, all of these projects— as they gain traction, can all together provide enough financial support where I can have that as my main source of income and then be able to spend my extra time meeting the needs of the church and the, and the ministry in my area. Extra time? I don't even know when you sleep, <laughs> dude. Man. <laughs> it does require a lot of discipline and time management. Like all the stuff I just listed took me two and a half years to create. So it's not like I've been, you know, working on this for three months and now I have this huge portfolio of things. <laughs> That's true. It's been a long process and I'm still, you know, not at the point where I can focus on ministry full time, which is why I'm working as a professional content creator. But that was a really strategic move because I knew that everything I did for that job was going to help me cultivate the skills that would make me successful in online ministry, which is what was really important to me. Mm. Wow. So do you have like a, a number one or two cornerstone habits that keep you in a growth mindset 
and a content creation mindset? So for the growth mindset, it's just reminding myself on a daily basis that my identity is not wrapped up in what I achieve, but in who I am. Mm-hmm. It's so easy, especially as an American, to point to my job, the size of my house, the number of cars that I own as kind of the proof of the validation that I've made it, quote unquote. It's so easy to slip into that mindset. And so just reminding myself that those things are not what defines why I'm important or why God loves me or you know anything that I, I want to get value out of. For me, it's just remembering that I am valuable because God made me. And that's, that's the end of the story. Mm-hmm. So that's what I remind myself often and, and pray for every single day is just really making that a point of emphasis. I don't want to focus on my accomplishments to validate my own sense of identity. So I would say that's that's the main thing that I do to maintain that growth mindset. And then as far as just being able to move forward in kind of a positive direction in a deliberate fashion, I've been using a specific journal called the Full Focus Planner by Michael Hyatt. Right. And I just use that to map out, you know, what are the things that I'm trying to focus on this year professionally, spiritually, personally, in my marriage and my parenting, and then kind of work that all the way down to what are the three things that I need to get done today to help me move forward towards my my bigger goals. Mm. And so I know that's helped me a lot with balancing all of the different things that I'm working on, because I also do marketing consulting on the side as well. On the side? <laughs> <laughs> Travis, wow. So... I don't watch TV anymore. Right. Other than football, like watching my Jacksonville Jaguars lose. Uh, other than that, <laughs> I don't watch TV. Basically, every minute of every day is, is accounted for. But right. uh, the planner helps me do that in a way that doesn't drive me nuts. Yeah, I'm just finishing up the full focus planner. And you know what I'm going to do in early to mid 2019? I'm going to do an evaluation of full focus planner, best self journal. I just got a new planner sort of like that called the the Monk Manual. And I'm just going to do an evaluation of all of those things for what has worked for me best on each of those. And I think there are some concepts in the full focus planner that I definitely use and carry forward. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah no, there's there's lots of planners and that's, this is just the one that I've right. kind of adopted and, and have used and have incorporated into my daily routine. Yeah, it's helped me a lot. It just helps me to, to, well, one, it helps me to make sure that I remember the things I need to get done today. But then once I check everything off, because I have put so many things on my plate, it also gives me permission to take a break and to rest. Because it's easy to find one more thing to tinker with or one more thing to work on yep. when I don't have to and when I'd be better served spending time with my family or spending time with my, my friends or doing something that is filling me up in a different way. Exactly. When we call it balance, that's probably not being fair or accurate, is it? Because there are seasons. Yes. Is that how you see that? Yeah. You can do anything for a short period of time, but then there becomes a breaking point where it's no longer sustainable. And so for me, balance has always been, what's the sustainable path to progress? Like, how do I move forward with my online teaching ministry? How do I continue to grow that and invest in that without 
neglecting things that are more important than my dream job, right? Without neglecting my marriage, without neglecting my relationship with my daughter, without neglecting my relationship with God, and you know, making disciples and all the other things that need to come first. Balance for me, the way I've always thought about it is how do I basically design a lifestyle that is sustainable into the future where all the things that are important to me are getting the attention they need. Wow. Well, I'm going to have to let you get back to whatever else you're getting ready to do because I'm sure <laughs> you've got every moment accounted for on this Friday afternoon before last Friday before Christmas. I yeah. bet you are busy. It's very exciting. Um, <laughs> and and it's your baby's first Christmas too, huh? It is. It'll be baby's first Christmas, so I'm sure there will be plenty of photo ops. I I do have one more question for you. What good in your life today exists that wouldn't have existed but for that moment where you said, I just don't want to be a rocket scientist anymore? If I had depended on one thing, it would be that I love to learn. Mm. Where before... I finished college. I'm like, all right, I'm done with learning. No more learning for me, which, you know, anyone who's been on this planet for a while will tell you, you're never done learning. But I kind of have a distasteful relationship with growth. And so having that moment in time where I had to be forced to fall in love with learning again, didn't just help me with finding a new career path, but also just in my relationship with God, that I had reached a point where I was spiritually stable and that there were no serious sins wrecking my life. But I wasn't growing. I wasn't inspired the way that I was as a young Christian. Mm. I didn't love waking up every day with the thought that I could be closer to God or help other people closer to God. And, and it was something that I missed. And I know that that moment in time where I had to basically re-engage with the process of learning and with growth really rejuvenated me spiritually in a way that I don't think would have happened otherwise. So I'm very grateful that it did happen mm. because, you know, now I get to look back and see all the growth that's happened as a result. So what advice or encouragement do you have for somebody who's right now, as they listen in this place that you were when you first started your transformational podcast series and you woke up and you said, it's five o'clock in the morning and I don't want to do this job anymore. So the advice I would give them is to study out people in the Bible that God speaks to, because often God will say, here is the first part of the plan. Now take a leap of faith and I'll step in later whether it's telling Abraham to leave his homeland and go find somewhere else to live, or Gideon asking him to take 300 men and take on hundreds of thousands of Midianites. You know, every time that God steps in and says, I'm redirecting your life, he never gives us the full picture. And so there will always be an element of stepping out on faith, of uncertainty, and not knowing what exactly is going to happen next. But luckily the person giving us the plan and the person guiding us is 100% trustworthy. And so choosing to trust God, even when it doesn't make sense, is really the key to being able to respond in a healthy and intentional way when we have moments of doubt 
and uncertainty, and we know that something needs to change. Wow. All right, last question. A book that you would recommend? A book that I recommend to just about everybody, and it's not necessarily a spiritual book, but there's certainly a lot of spiritual undertones in it, is Start With Why Mm. by Simon Sinek. And he basically just identifies movements and companies that focus on why they exist versus what they produce. And, And there's a lot of that that resonates with my own personal journey of trying to figure out, you know, who am I? What makes me unique? Why did God create me the way that I am? And then designing a life around that versus here are the things that I do and pinning all of my hopes and dreams on those things. So I definitely highly recommend that book. And there's a TED Talk version of it, an 18-minute version as well. Yeah. So if you're not a reader, you can watch that and find it on YouTube. and, And it's fantastic. And that goes back to what and how science versus why God. That's amazing. That wasn't even Mm -hmm. intended to be a God book, but (laughs) it fits within your formula. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Travis. (laughs) Anything else before I let you go? No, I'm just, I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to come and share my story. And I think everyone has a story to share. And I think everyone has something meaningful to offer the world. And I just hope that maybe by listening to this podcast and listening to other people, share their stories, that it can give you the courage to to be willing to be vulnerable and share yours. Thanks, Travis. Gosh, I learned so much from Travis in this conversation and from the time that I spent with Travis on his show. We're going to post links to the Practical Christian Podcast in our show notes. Plus, we're going to offer some links to some free resources Travis has created to help people start crushing their Bible studies. If you're interested in starting a small group discipleship study, Travis has a free guide for you, too. All these links are in the show notes at rebootspodcast.com forward slash episode four two. Hey, Travis, you are awesome. And so are you, listener. (laughs) One more thing before you dive into your next thing. If you're listening because you're contemplating a big change in your life or maybe someone else or something else has made a difficult change that impacts you, I'd like to give you some resources that have helped me navigate the loss of loved ones, a job loss, and the self-doubt and perfectionism that still sometimes trips me up. I've got a combination of quick journaling habits. They've helped me tremendously. And while I don't think these techniques are the only tools most of us need to navigate change, they can help. They certainly have me. So if you're interested, check out rebootspodcast.com forward slash change. Plug in your email address in the form, and I will send you three of the most important rapid journaling habits that keep negative self-talk from paralyzing me. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I'm Tracy Winchell. We'll see you next time. Deo Valente. We hope this episode has helped you in some way. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe someone you care about might benefit from the Reboots podcast. It's easy to share from our website, 
TheRebootsPodcast.com. The Reboots Podcast is a production of Winchell Storyworks Incorporated, a company dedicated to helping businesses and individuals know, share, and live their stories in order to impact the world around us in a positive way and to achieve financial freedom.